Day 49. Posted December 6th, 2002. 11.36 p.m. Super Freak. Apparently, Willie had made the executive decision to fly Rod to Los Angeles. When I arrived today, and to my pleasant surprise, my superhuman assistant, who had traveled with us to New York, was standing by the entrance of the complex. He was on the patio, with coffee and muffin at the ready, prepared to do whatever it took to get the job done today. I thanked Rod as I accepted my muffin and coffee. Then I noticed that Rod had a strange and pained look on his face. I think I met the weak row, he whispered to me, as if he'd seen a ghost. Yes, well, we probably shouldn't refer to fingers as the weak row. Hard work. Besides, I continued with a mouthful of muffin. What do you mean you think you met the weak row? You can't miss... You can't, you can't miss the wee grow. I knew just at that moment this was going to be a bad timing day because as I finished my statement, fingers appeared. What the fuck is that guy think he's anyway, puppy? Fucking puppy? Give me a break. Don't be talking no racist bullshit, yo. I'll be omnipotent. I figured he meant omnipresent, but there was no point in correcting him. I'm pretty sure he already knew this. Fingers was still wearing his blue parka, and it smelled considerably better than the last time I saw him. Figuring he must have cleaned the foul-smelling garment, I decided it was probably safe to give him a hug. Aw, shit. I missed yous, yo. I said in a language he could understand as I offered an embrace. He accepted. Aw, shit, I miss yous, yo. It was nice to see Fingers again, although the irony of this certainly did not escape me. We had been in New York, Fingers' hometown, and he hadn't been on the session. He hadn't even visited. Albeit, we were there for a very short time. Still, here we are in L.A., and Fingers is on the payroll from day one. I couldn't help but wonder why the hell Fingers was even here. It's not like this drummer needed a tremendous amount of editing. On Penny Pincher's song, I did only five edits. It took me all of 20 minutes. We needed Fingers for that? Upon the completion of our hugging ritual and the formal introduction of Fingers to Rod, I felt the foreign presence of a stranger. Behind me stood an exceptionally large, overly tanned stranger with bulging and defined muscles, which had muscles of their own. His hair was perfectly quaffed in an annoying sort of way, as not a single strand was out of place. To make matters worse, his hair was slightly thicker in the front, causing his hair to precede him. His teeth were pure white and were so obnoxiously bright that I was fortunate to be wearing sunglasses at the time, for I could have easily burned out a retina were I unprotected. The stranger offered his hand, which I apprehensively accepted for fear that he might crush it, which he nearly did. Welcome, the stranger said to me as he shook my hand so exuberantly that he nearly tore off my limb. My name's Thor, and I'll be your assistant. Ah, yes, the assistant. Of course. The studio will always supply an assistant regardless of the fact that we're carrying our own. Now we had two assistants. One as big as a house. You're Mixer Man. I'm a big fan of your work. At that moment, for some inexplicable reason, I took an instant liking to the lad. As I entered the room, I remembered exactly why I have such disdain for setup. Before me stood a mountain of cases in all varieties of shapes and sizes. They were piled indiscriminately in the middle of the room, and they covered a large percentage of the floor space. 
we were back where we started. I figured I'd put all the cases in here, and then we could sort through them, Thor said eagerly. A worse decision could not have been made. Among the stacks were my racks, Willie's racks, Willie's road cases for his guitars, amps, and percussion, drum cases galore containing three full drum kits and twenty snare drums individually cased, Eeyore's guitars individually cased, Harmon's basses with their respective amplifiers individually cased, and Willie's Alcihod rig that we never use. It was a sight to behold, if you're young, stupid, and built like Arnold Schwarzenegger, that is. I stood there with Rod, just staring at the mountain of gear before us. Welp, let's dig in then, yelped Thor, who began manhandling cases as large as oxen with undeniable ease. He was flicking them around like they were little plastic squares in one of those slide puzzles. You know, the ones that you have only one blank space in which to reorganize the squares to form a picture. It took us about three hours to sort through everything. I went through the cases and determined which were which and told Thor where to carry them. Some cases belonged in the womb, some in the shitter-turned-editing room, and the rest in the tracking room. Rod began to set up the apartments where the players would perform, and I became my usual keeper of the vibe. Fingers was very unhappy about his position in the shitter again, and I promised him that I would do something extra special to the room. But really, how special can you make a shitter? The commode was the main hurdle to overcome. How does one make a commode beautiful? Covering it completely is certainly not beautiful. Covering only the tank seems to work well, but the ugliest part of the toilet still shows. I struggled with this for close to half an hour until Thor came in with three packages of cut flowers from the grocery store. I took the liberty of ordering these for you, Thor said as he lifted the toilet seat and began arranging the flowers in the commode. He gracefully folded the tapestry and covered the tank and seat. He delicately arranged the flowers in the bowl until the bowl was completely filled with a fall blend of flowers that they sell at the grocery store. When he was through, the bowl, which was once an ordinary vessel used to capture and dispose of feces, was miraculously transformed into the most beautiful porcelain vase I had ever set eyes upon. It was a sight to behold. A tear came to my eye. I'm allergic to flowers, yo! Fingers said, poking his head in the door. You're shitting me. I replied, at the time not quite realizing the humor in that particular choice of words. Fingers was vastly more allergic to flowers than I, as he began to sneeze ten times in a row without stopping. Bless you. Bless you. Bless you. Bless you. Get that shit out of here, yo. Fingers screamed as he ran from the room. Thor, without hesitation or remorse, removed the flowers and threw them out. I decided that my efforts to make an ordinary toilet somehow look like an objet d'art were wasted. Disgusted, I did what I should have done in the first place. I haphazardly covered the toilet with my least favorite tapestry in my final last-ditch efforts to salvage vibe in the shitter. Dejected, I returned to the womb. Thor was at the console instructing Rod to scratch mics. Before a session starts, it's typical to literally scratch the microphones to make sure that you have the right mics labeled in the right positions. This prevents the right drum overhead mic from being in the left drum overhead position on the console, which is an easy mistake to make, particularly considering some people envision the microphones from standing in front of the drums, called audience perspective, and some envision the microphones from behind the drums, called player's perspective. 
Since I often pan the left and right overheads to their respective positions in the stereo field, it's good to be certain which mic is which. After a long day, we finally had the room completely set up. The mics were scratched, and it was time to go home. I put on my coat and picked up my bag, and I turned to walk out of the womb as I had done so many times before. Unfortunately, my path was blocked. It was Penny Pincher, standing well inside the entrance of the womb in her usual four-inch stiletto heels. She was glaring at me, quite obviously beside herself with anger. How she'd entered the room in this state without my being aware of her presence was beyond me, for her anger was all-consuming and filled the room like a noxious gas. Give me the song, she said, feigning calm. The song? Don't play fucking dumb with me, you shit. Give me the fucking song. The one about me, asshole. I don't know what you're talking about, Penny. Perhaps we should call Willie. I suggested as I made my way to the phone. You! Get me all the tapes and CDs for the band. Now! Both Rod and Thor stood there not knowing what to do. I stared at them and gave a slight shake of the head. Penny was obviously watching as well. Fuck you! You're not going to be working tomorrow, you fuck! She bellowed at me. My heart was racing. Not because I was in fear of getting fired. She really didn't have that authority, and she'd probably be doing me a favor if she did. The weight of the negative energy in the room was enough to crush an elephant. Being slightly smaller than an elephant, I was feeling the pressure quite severely. Penny began frantically searching the room. She had completely lost it as she tossed through the large piles of CDs. The CD wasn't in the room, and the multi-track tapes contained only the basic tracks. The song in its multi-track form was on the radar, and she wasn't going to figure that out in this particular state. Even if she had, she wouldn't know how to get the radar to pass audio, let alone turn it on. Penny was beginning to throw my own personal belongings around the room in her search. As I watched her, a calm came over me. Rather than the prudent act of either giving her the CD, which was in my car, or even giving her a fake CD, I felt compelled to escalate the situation. We don't have the CD and there are no copies. But I can tell you where it is. Where is it then? She whipped around, glaring at me, eyes glowing with rage. I paused for a moment, for I had set her up. I wanted not to say it. I really wanted not to say it. But I couldn't help myself. It's in Marv's car. Apparently, he loves it. That did it. She ran toward me with a clipboard, which she threw at my head as I ducked out of the way. The clipboard hit my Crane Song STC-8, which thankfully is built like a tank and came out unscathed. Then she grabbed the next available projectile, a Bob's Big Boy bobblehead doll. I moved toward the console for cover. She hurled the bobblehead doll toward me as she screamed. It also missed me, but had made an obvious dent in one of the mains woofers. The bobblehead doll, I'm thankful to say, came out unscathed. You miserable shit! You think you can go writing whatever you want on the internet? Dirty little whore! The Joseph Stalin of A&R men! She was clearly losing it. How can you be so fucking stupid to think that this wouldn't be discovered? You know that we've been reading this diary, and you write that bullshit about me? I wrote that over a week ago. You're just discovering it now? Well, I didn't actually think you would be so brazen as to write shit about me! She was right. I have known for some time that the label was reading the diary. 
I knew for certain when the audio placebos used to dupe Jeremiah Weasel were abruptly removed. I knew Jeremiah's cold treatment of me was a clear indication that he had read of his own duping. In fact, I wrote that entry in order to prove to myself that the label was reading the diary. I knew by how Marvellus would go out of his way to acknowledge me. I knew because friends of mine in the music business were sending me links to my own diary. I knew because Lance had discovered it. Penny was now hyperventilating and her hair was literally standing on end. Her eyes were bright with rage and her hands were visibly shaking. You should have been fired the moment we discovered it. Marvin his stupid fucking ideas. He thought it would make great PR. I couldn't help but wonder how an online journal in which a band is depicted as talentless, petty, generally unlikable imbeciles could make for great PR. But then, I just make records. I don't sell them. So I have to assume Marv had a plan. And I have a pretty good guess as to what that plan might have been. I suppose Marv felt that if he could sell 50,000 to 75,000 CDs in a short period from the strength of this diary, that could act as a sort of catalyst for a wider audience. It's a common business plan to penetrate a niche market in order to jumpstart sales in the mainstream market. Certainly my depicting the band negatively would only serve to make my audience more curious. Marv was obviously banking on this. What I couldn't understand was how the hell the label kept the band from reading the diary. I can tell you by how they've acted throughout, there's absolutely no possibility whatsoever that the band has been reading these entries. I can only guess the band just never discovered it. And what of Willie? Willie had to have known about this diary. Perhaps he had enough self-control not to read it. Perhaps he agreed with my observations. Or perhaps, as with most things, he just didn't give a shit. I don't know. All of this is speculation on my part as I'm certainly not going to ask Willie or the band if they've been reading my brutally forthright personal accounts of the idiocy surrounding me. Now give me the fucking song! Penny screamed at the top of her lungs in hysterics as she picked up a metal two-inch flange used to hold a reel of tape and hurled it toward me like a frisbee. Had it hit me, it could have knocked me out cold, as they are not, by any stretch of the imagination, light. Thor, who had finally seen enough and whose duty it was to protect the interests of the studio, not to mention me, grabbed Penny from behind and around her waist, picked her up, and physically removed her from the room. She was pitching and screaming, and although she wore dangerous weapons upon her feet, she was no match for the brute strength of Thor. He carried her out into the middle of the parking lot, placed her ass down on the pavement, ran into the building, and locked the door. I've seen freakouts in sessions before, but not quite to this magnitude and certainly never by an A&R executive. Thor, Rod, Fingers, and I stood in the lobby motionless, gazing through our own reflections at the scene before us. She remained precisely where Thor had placed her, smack in the middle of the parking lot, like an escapee from the insane asylum. She was screaming obscenities at me from the courtyard, many of which made absolutely no sense. Had I called the police at the height of her hysteria, she would have surely been taken away in a straitjacket. But I wouldn't have done that. Her aspersions dissipated in a frequency not unlike the popping of microwave popcorn. All told, 
The freakout lasted no more than five minutes. To me, it seemed like an eternity. She had run out of steam. No longer could she protest from her seat upon the pavement. She was dejected and unusually disheveled. Her shoes were on the other side of the parking lot where she had managed to throw them in her rage. One of the heels lay there cast aside as it had broken off during the trauma. Without even attempting to tidy herself, she retrieved her shoes. With nary a glance towards her observers, she got into her car and drove out of the automatic gate. It closed behind her. On my way home, I called Willie and described to him, in great detail, Penny's hysterical episode. I didn't bother to mention anything about the diary. What would be the point? If he knew about the diary, then he would know why she freaked. He wasn't surprised that she knew about the song, so I can only assume he knew where she found out about it. Willie assured me that we would work everything out and that he would call me tomorrow. I'm not sure what there was to work out. I certainly couldn't document these sessions any further. I certainly couldn't work with Penny Pincher any longer. As I sit here reflecting on Penny's epic freakout, writing what is quite obviously one of my last entries documenting these sessions, I can't help but chuckle to myself. For in recent days, I've been criticized by some online readers for my use of the term bitch slap as it relates to this diary. Although Penny's temporary loss of sanity was regrettable, there was certainly something positive that came out of it. Penny had unwittingly supplied new meaning and validity to the term bitch slap. For that, at least, I am grateful. Mixer Man. <laughs> 